Welcome to the Gospel Doctor Podcast, a show that has been designed to help born-again believers realize who we are in Christ and to truly understand the power and the potential of the gospel that has been entrusted to us. My name is Prince John, and I'm the son of the king. to one of the greatest crises. People are not able to understand what is going on and especially how to respond to this. Many of you might be holding on to the promise in Psalm 91 which says, no plague shall come near your tent. But you might have that thought in your head, that tiny little thought which asks, what if it's God's will for you or me to be infected? That thought can affect your prayer, faith, and confidence in God. So today I want to address that. Take a few minutes and try to answer this question. Do you think that whatever is happening, whatever happens in general, is happening according to God's will? Or do you think that God is controlling the virus as in who it will attack, who it will not attack? If you said that God is controlling the virus and you believe he controls who is being attacked and who is not, you believe in a certain version of what of, of the doctrine of sovereignty of God. When people say God is sovereign, what they mean is that God absolutely controls everything which happens in the universe. Like one renowned theologian said, right now at this moment, if there is a speck of dust falling from the ceiling to the ground that is planned and controlled by God for His glory. That means even the trajectory of the fall, the coordinates, the time at which it fell, was planned and controlled by God so that His glory will be revealed. This doctrine has been infused into our lives more in the last few decades than before and it has been wrecking havoc in our relationship with God. There is another version of sovereignty which is also being passed around and that says that God controls everything and that He has His hands on every single thing on earth, every single activity. They say that either God initiates it or the devil asks God for permission to do it and He gives the devil permission to do it and hence whatever is happening in your life is God's will. It is no different from the other definition. In both definitions, we see that God is responsible and everything which happens in your life and mine is what God wanted to happen. This doctrine of sovereignty finds its way in many of our conversations and social media memes and posts. And honestly, it's confusing. We say God knows what he's doing. If it's God's will, it will happen. If something already happened, that was God's will. God is powerful and can stop this right now. But we, we give, keep the door open to plenty of questions. I remember a few years ago, I was talking to my friend and telling him that it was not God's will for him to be sick. And then he, the smart one, he asked me, But God allowed it, right? 
I started to get confused because uh, I thought, how can something happen if God stopped it? And so it should be that God allowed it. And that went directly against what I was saying in the first place. Like I said, it's a very confusing topic and people have doubts about this topic. A lot of believers are taught this way in their churches and Bible studies and they, they naturally come up with some ideas about this topic. I believe it is high time we address this or else it will grow into doubts into every area as a believer, every area of our life as a believer. Now, let's look into the sovereignty doctrine in detail. We saw that when people say that God is sovereign, it means that God decreed for, for things to be this way, everything. It would mean that God created Lucifer, the devil, to be that way, and every sin was orchestrated by God to serve his purposes. The original sin would be orchestrated by God, and even this coronavirus would be orchestrated, allowed, decreed and controlled by God to serve his purpose. But God did not know everything. This is seen in verses like Genesis 22 verse 12 that says, Now I know, God is saying that, which was when God found that Abraham loved him more than Isaac. Why did God test Abraham if he already knew that? And in Jeremiah 32 verse 35, it says, nor did it enter my mind. Now, why would God say that? And he says also in Jeremiah 31 that he will not remember our sins anymore. Again, why would he say that? In Isaiah 5.4, it says God expected the vineyard to yield grapes, but it instead, it yielded sour grapes. There are plenty more things in the Bible which shows us that God did not know everything. God did not even plan the specifics of how Jesus would be born on earth. Yes, he would be born of a virgin and that he would come to save the world. But if you noticed, all the plans about his birth and death were, were after the original sin and not before that. He did not plan in the beginning, in the beginning when, before everything. He did not plan everything. There are only a few verses in the Bible that talk about what happened before the foundations of the earth. And it is mentioned in 1 Peter 1 verse 20 about Jesus. It says that he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world and revealed in these last times for you. God foreordained Jesus or prepared Jesus before the foundations of the earth. Why? Because everything depended on that one choice of man and what Adam would choose at the Garden of Eden. He did not know what he would choose, and hence he prepared for the possibility of Adam eating from the tree. I can give further proof on this. Revelation 13 verse 8, it says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Notice that it says he was slain from the foundation of the world. Emphasis on from. He was foreordained before the foundations of the earth and slain from the foundations of the earth. 
what happened in between. God choose, Adam chose to eat from the tree. God did not know what, was, what Adam was about to do. And hence he prepared Jesus and foreordained him before the foundations of the world. And after that, as soon as Adam sinned against God, God decided that I am going to send my son and he will die. And he said that at that moment. And since he made a covenant, he said that. He knew that it was as good as slain from now onwards because God cannot lie. When did God say that? In Genesis 3.15 it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. You see a similar situation when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac. God stops him. It's mentioned in Genesis 22 verse 12. And then in verse 13 it says, Abraham looked behind and saw a ram. This is exactly a picture of how God prepared Jesus for us beforehand, waiting to see what decision Adam took at the garden. Just like he waited to see what Abraham would do. God did not even plan the entire genealogy. He planned it to include Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and not everyone who finally ended up in the list was there because God ordained it. Because when you look into the genealogy of Jesus, you see Ruth and Bathsheba. Now Ruth was a Moabite who was born from Moab, who was born from an incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter. Bathsheba was someone else's wife whom David possessed through adultery and murder. If God had planned this, it would mean God planned incest, adultery, and murder, murder from the very beginning. Also, there's a moral issue as well here. I have heard people say that it was God's will that their daughter was raped and killed. My friend said that when her pregnant friend lost a child a few months into the pregnancy, the pastor said it seems it was God's plan. It's hard for people then to love God. Because you never know when God is going to kill your child because it is his plan. Many people have turned away from the Lord because of this doctrine. Just imagine if every little hurt, the death, the words, the divorces, the rapes, suicides, and every little thing in your family was either caused by me or I gave permission for that. There's not a... Not even a single person who is listening right now who would like me, and understandably so. So, There wouldn't be any judicial system in any civilized world that would let me live if I was in charge of every mayhem, destruction, pain, and suffering in the world. And yet, this is what religion is presenting of God, that God controls everything. It is hard to love God when you define sovereignty of God this way. It would mean he was pretending in every conversation in your Bible, toying with us in every way. It is impossible for you to believe that God is a good God if you have this doctrine. Many of our songs are reflective of what we think of God. And many a times this doctrine gets into it. 
And it really irritates me, to be very honest. When I hear songs that say, I am going, I'm coming to worship in your presence and even if you put me in hell, I'm going to love you. And even if you hate me, I'm going to love you. I don't want anything from you, but can you please come to me? Please don't let go of me. Please, I just don't want anything from you. Just love me, please. We think all these songs glorify God, but all these songs malign God in so many ways. I'll give an explanation for that. For us to really understand how it feels like, imagine your child going on stage in front of a huge crowd saying, Dad, even if you burn my arm, I will love you. Even if you close the door with my hand stuck in between the door, I will write that I love you with that blood because all that matters to me is you. I'm not here for anything you have to give to me, but, but for you to be just near me. Please don't leave me. I am desperate for you. Now think about a passive bystander who hears that. What picture do you think they will get about you as a father or as a parent? You will get arrested by child services. And yet we paint a picture of God that way. We paint a picture that we are so loving and God is not loving. Think about those songs. Yet the Bible says that we love him because God loved us first. 1 John 4 verse 19. We are unable to love God without God loving us first. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should love God because he does something for us. There's a difference here. But let's be real. We get hurt if God does not keep his promise. But praise God, God always keeps his promise. We are unhappy if God puts us in the fire. But praise God, God rescued us from the fire. Some of these songs really malign God and it really gets me. Now, Jesus never taught us that whatever happens on earth is God's will. When he prayed in Matthew 6 verse 10, he said, May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it's God's will that is being done on earth, why is Jesus praying this prayer? Think about this. Isn't it a clear sign that God's will is not being done on earth? The epistles never say that whatever happens is God's will. Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 32 that says, I'm reading it, but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Uh, wait a minute. If God knew everything about the person from the very beginning, why is he intervening to change the end outcome? The truth is like, the truth is like Paul says in Romans 8.28 that God works all things together for good. God uses every situation and tries to bring good out of it. He uses our stupidity, our sins, and everything to bring some good out of it. It pains God when people perish. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 that He wants everyone to be saved. If God is controlling everything, why is everyone not saved? 
Also in 2 Peter 3 verse 9 it says, God, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but his long his long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It cannot get clearer than this. It absolutely pains God that people are perishing, and He did not plan for their destruction. What about healing then? Do you know that today a lot of people say when a person is not healed, that it was not God's will for the person to be not healed? During Jesus' ministry, many times in the Bible, it is mentioned that Jesus healed everyone who had gathered there. So do you mean to say that not everyone over there was appointed by God to die of sickness? Also, we see Jesus in the Gospels, the disciples in the New Testament, they all cast out demons, heal every disease, and bring healing everywhere they went. If it was God's plan for someone out there to be sovereignly sick, wouldn't it mean that they were using the authority of Jesus even accidentally against someone God sovereignly wanted sick and hence going directly against God? And remember what Jesus said in Mark 3.24, that a kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. Also, look at the pool of Bethesda. An angel would go up there and stir the water, and whoever, whoever entered first would be healed. It was not like someone was holding back people who were not part of God's plan from jumping in. In Mark 9 and Mark's, Matthew 17, we see the incident where a person brings a demon, his demon-possessed child to the disciples, and the disciples were unable to heal the boy. Think about it if it was today. We would say it was God's sovereign plan or will for the boy to be not healed. Any definition of God's sovereignty that allows evil to exist as part of his will and purpose is an immoral definition of sovereignty. If you look into the definition of sovereignty in the, in the dictionary, you will see it says when used as a noun, it means a monarch or a person who has supreme power or authority. And when used as an adjective, it means supreme, greatest in degree. All these are true. I believe God is supreme and has the highest power or authority and that he is greatest in degree. There's nothing above him and nothing higher than him. But he did not allow evil to exist as part of his plan. So, what is going on then? Why is everything happening the way it is? The devil is responsible for all the evil in the world. In John 10 verse 10, the Bible says that the devil comes only, emphasis on only, to steal, kill, and destroy. In that very chapter, Jesus calls the devil a thief. And a thief does not ask for permission. That is why he is a thief. In fact, throughout the Bible, you see God saying, don't do this or else you will die. He does not want you to die. But the devil is always searching for ways to attack every person on the planet, not just believers, even unbelievers.
he talked like we talked about this briefly but God decided to give man free will and that means God would not know what man was going to decide this is a huge problem for some people they think how can God not know something however let me ask you one question here when Jesus came on earth as a baby the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and stature. It's mentioned in Luke 2.52. Can you imagine the God of all universe, the second person in the Trinity, as a baby, first of all? That would mean he was like any other baby. He had to learn how to talk. He had to be taught the Torah. He had to be fed, washed, bathed. He wasn't speaking perfect Hebrew when he came out of the womb saying, And how art thou, woman? When he came out of the womb, he didn't say any of that. He had, he was like a normal baby. We find it so difficult to comprehend, but that is the truth of what happened. Can you imagine that? If you can accept that God chose to come as a human and not know, but rather decided to grow in wisdom and stature just like any human being, and why did he do that? Out of love. Why would he have a problem in creating human actions independent of his knowledge? For the same reason of love. The reason why evil entered the world was because Lucifer chose freely to rebel against God. Moreover, at the Garden of Eden, Adam chose against God by using his free will to choose against God. But then God was surprised when he said, Adam, what have you done? Now, why, why was free, free will given in the first place? He decided to let it be that way, I mean, with the free will, because that is the only way by which love could be proven. Love requires the existence of free will. You need to have the free will to choose God in order for God to know whether you really love Him. There needs to be choices. That is why God told Abraham, Now I know that you love me more than your son Isaac. He will not violate anybody's free will. But that is what the other definition of sovereignty does. He decided well beforehand and a person cannot choose anything apart from what God has chosen in the first place for him decreed but God does not violate anybody's free will now a lot of people argue saying that in Psalm 139 it says God knew what the thoughts of man were I believe God knows what our thoughts are however it is different from saying God knows what our thoughts will be in the next moment he may be able to estimate it so well but still God does not know for sure what is going to be, what it is going to be, as we have the authority over our will. Many people say that every decision of man is because of some reason, and that let's say if we had to choose between a red ball and a black ball, it is because we have, if we choose any of the balls, it is because we have a certain reasoning and a preference and that man cannot choose without a preference. I think you might believe me as I have a PhD in statistical sciences and I teach the subject in college that we can make truly random 
choices. Now, um, you can do an experiment and test this yourself. Draw two big circles in, I mean, it doesn't have to be a circle, but two big circles in your computer or your tab. Draw them. Choose one of them. Same color, same shape, everything. Why did you choose one of those? That a lot of people say that if we have the same preference towards something, we cannot choose. That's not true. Although that's a much deeper study in probability and randomness. You can choose because your, your decision, uh, your, your uh, two decisions are there. One is to choose and one is not choose. If you have a preference to choose rather than not choose, which is what we're trying to do, you will choose. Now, don't worry about that. That's in probability and statistics. Now, people can take truly random decisions. That was my point here. Anyone who says that humans are predictable just needs to look at a toddler. It's hard to predict the behavior of a baby. Let me repeat. Anyone who says that humans are predictable just needs to look at a toddler. It is really hard to predict the behavior of a baby. You never know what the baby is going to do. Like I said, God knows whatever we think because it is an electrical impulse. And God can see that whenever we think it is happening in our mind as an electrical impulse. It's real. It happened. However, whatever we are going to think tomorrow hasn't happened yet and God will not know that. If you read the actual KJV versions of Psalm 139, we see that the, the, the writer of that psalm is talking about things which the person has thought, their nature and everything, and not about the future. God has given us authority over our will, and for Him to force us to do something to vi is to violate our authority. God respects the authority that He gives us. To explain this further, think about the Garden of Eden. If you read Genesis, we see that the devil came as a serpent. Have you ever wondered why did he come as a serpent? He could have come as the devil himself and Adam would not have recognized the devil. But the devil came as a serpent because on earth, the serpent had more authority than the devil. In fact, a worm has more authority on earth than the devil. So the devil has to come as something like that. In Romans 6, 16, it says that you become slaves of whoever you obey. And when Adam obeyed the devil, he became slaves to sin or to the devil. He willfully gave devil authority. The devil received authority over the earth. Because it was given to Adam and he gave it to the devil. He started creating, you see murder right after that. He started creating all ruckus and pain and murder and everything after that. It started getting really bad. The Bible says that soon the Lord regretted making the world. Genesis 6. It just took six chapters in Genesis and God regretted. Now here is another proof that God did not plan everything because God wouldn't, wouldn't be able to regret otherwise. But then, why didn't God destroy Satan straight away? Think about this. Now, could he, being righteous, could he destroy Satan straight away? Now, God gave authority 
over earth to man, and man gave the authority to the devil. If God goes and destroys the devil, Satan can say, who are you to question me? This man, this man here gave his authority by his own will, and, and man himself is stuck. So Satan has a claim. He can say that the man you gave actually gave the authority to me, so why are you punishing me for it? And man, Adam, and Eve, and all humanity are stuck. So God, so it was a very, very tricky situation. So what did God do? God in the very beginning declared that someone will be coming in the future that will crush the devil's heel. In Genesis 3.15, he prepared Jesus. But if Jesus would come the very next day, imagine Jesus would come the very next day, and if Satan was dead, who would kill him? Jesus' death was needed for the atonement. Hence, God prepared a group of people. And, and that's one of the reasons why Satan was there. And also, God prepared a group of people whom we call Israel as his people so that he could give the law to them, prepare them, and eventually have Jesus born to a virgin. If there was no law, evil would be rampant because there was no law and commandments by the time Jesus would come and who knows, there wouldn't be even a virgin at the time. However, to reach to that point, you see in the genealogy of Jesus, there was incest, adultery, a lot of things that planned, that happened, which God did not plan. I repeat, he did not plan. That is why we see the genealogy of Jesus all these incest and murder. Whatever the devil planned for evil, God turned it to good. He can turn anything which is evil to good. So at the time when Jesus was on earth, it was the right time because God was waiting all those years for those prophecies. He had spoken through many of the prophets to be fulfilled. In the meantime, the devil was wrecking havoc all over the world. He did not realize what God was about to do because if he did, he probably wouldn't have killed Jesus. Now the devil thought he was being victorious when he killed Jesus, but he didn't realize that God had given the law of atonement to the Israelites and had prepared a way out for whoever that believes in him. Praise God. Praise God. So again, whatever the devil planned for evil, God turned it to good because he's a good God. Jesus won the victory and he died for all of our sins. The payment is done. Again, after the payment was done, he did not force anyone to choose him. Like I said, he always respects a person's authority over their will. He did not force anyone to choose him, but rather today, till today, he waits for everyone to willfully accept him as their personal savior. Hence, there are two things which you can see here in the light of the coronavirus. Firstly, God is not responsible for everything which is happening on earth. He's working all things together for His will, for, for to good, because He's a good God. Like when Jesus died, the devil killed Him, but God worked it together for, his, for good. Good for the church, good of the world. When Stephen died, the church scattered, but God worked it together for His will by having many people preach the gospel all over the world. 
His will for us is always good. It wasn't God who got Stephen killed, but the devil. But God used it for the furtherance and the good and the furtherance of the gospel. Unless you see this, you will not realize who the real enemy is. You will not know whom your fight is against. Have you noticed? Now think about this. Have you noticed that the ministries in which great miracles happen, the dead being raised, lame people walking, the deaf hearing, blind seeing, great miracles happen. They always believe, those ministries always believe that God is good and the devil is responsible for every evil thing on earth. They believe sickness, everything, all the evil is caused by the devil. Think about this, in, directly, or indirect, directly or indirectly, the devil is causing it. Think about this, in poor countries, people don't think much about theology. They don't think much about sovereignty and they just know that God is good. And, and we in our country see tremendous miracles because they have faith in this good God. However, amongst people and ministries who believe in this theology, you do not see many miracles. And very rarely, because of this understanding of sovereignty usually distorts faith. Every time you pray for a sick person, you cannot say that you have faith, but only that you have hope. You have no assurance and hope because faith is assurance and hope. Because you are not sure if it is God's will for the person to be sick or to be healed. This definition of sovereignty placed our mind. This is what Jesus meant when he said in Mark 7 verse 13 that you are making the word of God of no effect through our traditions. The traditions and philosophies of man have made the word of God to no effect. Make no mistake, the devil is always trying to attack and you have plenty of promises in the Bible to stand against it. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 verse 16 that we need to take the shield of faith to stand against every fiery dart of the evil one. Just because someone who was famous, who was a famous evangelist passed away, does not mean that God did not keep his promise or that it was God's will. It only means that the devil did point number two in his agenda, which is to kill, according to John 10.10. He did that. But our responsibility as believers is to say, as mentioned in Psalm 91 verse 7, thousands may fall at your side and ten thousands all around you, but it shall not come near you. The people who were affected, who were killed, were David's colleagues in war. And yet David is so confident that it will not come near him. He's not hoping, but he's believing. And he makes a stand very clear in the very beginning. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall say of the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, and my God in whom I trust. We need to realize who we are in Christ. You and I are the body of Christ. We are the body of Jesus. How did Jesus heal and fight against the plans of the devil? By using authority and faith in the promises of God. You can check the Bible yourself how he did that. You and I can keep crying till we are blinded with tears. But if Christ Jesus used the authority to stop the plans of the devil, we, as his body, 
are supposed to as well. God will not command from heaven because he needs a body to operate and the body he has on earth is us. So when you say God can stop this now, it is so true. But he uses his church to stop this.